Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroixy, and debuting on the show, I've got improv actress and comedian Megan Jeffrey. How you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh my gosh. I already got to know you off interview. We were talking, we were talking. I felt like we were even in the interview, but we're just starting the <laughs> interview. And I already feel like you're a friend in my head. Oh, I love friends. So yes, I would say that that's true. <laughs> All right. And where are you from in case the listeners don't know? I know you're not from Canada, but you have some, you know, state's roots, but you want to shout out the state you're from? Yes, I'm from Baltimore, uh, Maryland. Yeah. Right. Home of Mario the Singer. Yes. And oh. Cisco, Drew Hill. Oh. Yeah, we right. got a lot of people, lots mm -hmm. of talent here. When Jada Pinkett Smith, uh -huh. wasn't she from ba Baltimore too? Yeah, and Tupac <laughs> made his appearance for a couple of years too. So we claim him bad, but who wouldn't <laughs> claim him? <laughs> all right, all right. So you are a comedian and improv actress, right? What's the difference between a comedian and an improv actress? Well, I mean, I think in within a lot of improv, which is, you know, off the cuff kind of things, there's a lot of comedic uh takes and stuff that you can do but you don't have to be funny to be improv you just kind of like do stuff it generally is uh people who are interested in comedy are doing improv uh so that's the thing and then if you were just a comedian uh you know in 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 society's terms i think more so that's that's more of like a stand-up kind of thing uh but it, when you mix the two you get people like will ferrell or uh kristen wig anybody on snl mad tv uh chappelle is a great crossover between the two so there's a lot of people who do both Mm -hmm. Is being a comedian dangerous in these times? Because these days it seems like we can't even joke no more. <laughs> it can be tricky for sure. Uh, and there are good and bad things to that. I think the good is that we have more of a realization of the problems that plague our society on a global level. But um, it can be difficult because now you got to take your artistry uh, um, into a different you know, avenue and you got to be careful about who is offended. And then you also have to realize that you're not going to please everybody. So inevitably you will offend some people. And so it's knowing the delineations between the two and where you want to walk and which side you want to stay on. So, okay. Well, I hope my Trinidadians are not uh, offended because yeah, you can do a good Trini accent, you know? <laughs> uh, 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 yes. Uh, uh, I, I happen to be linguistically talented. Uh, that's one of the strange features of my brain as I am very good at picking up languages. And um, so like, I think we talked about this during the before we did this, but I studied Mandarin for nine months, and I came back fluent. And uh, so, you know, having been within a Trinidadian family for 15 years, I mean, it's just another English um, variation or dialect vernacular, whatever you want to call it. And so of course, I'm gonna pick that up, you know, so listeners, she, what do you call it? Mandarin, the Chinese, and also the West Indian side with her Trinidadian, what do you call it? So she knows the Trinidadian culture, the West Indian culture very well, right? I do. I, I, I tend to just latch on to different cultures that I like, and I, I like all cultures, but the most that I'm most familiar with are obviously the Chinese culture, the Iranian culture. I am a Baha'i, so I grew up around a lot of Iranians who escaped persecution in Iran, and so therefore settled in different places. So I have a lot of familiarity with the Iranian culture and also Farsi. And of course, 
Trinidadians are always going to be front of the line for me because, you know, that's family for me. And I, I love them. I have three half Trini kids and, you know, Trinidad is here to stay. So um, and then, you know, more, whatever. I, I love everybody. And I, I really find beauty in all the cultures of the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what do you want to say to our Trinidadian people that might be listening who are visiting in Canada? What do you want to say to them where they don't believe this accent? <laughs> Uh, well, big up, Olya, because I love you guys so much and uh, you'll forever be in my heart. And the day that I win an Emmy, I'm pulling out that red, white and black flag. And uh, this this is all for you, because, you know, when I started the comedy journey, it was doing impressions mostly. Um, and I kept getting asked to do the Trinidadian accent. I ended up putting a lot of skits together for the Trinidadian audience. And it was just it grew from there. So I feel like comedy within comedy, Trinidad gave me my start. And I owe that to anybody who is from Trinidad um, for just you know, allowing me to to be in this space. And the, the skits that I do are, they mostly at least started out as my experience as like the quote unquote dumb white American around Trinidadian. So a lot of the skits that I do, one of my most popular ones is about Pampers. <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, back in the day, like uh, I would hear people say, oh, go to the store and get some more Pampers. And I'd be like, well, you know, that's a really expensive brand. You know, maybe we can get like store-bought or something like that. And he was just like, Okay, just go and get the Pampers. And it was like, God damn it, I, I told you, like, <laughs> I'll get like maybe a lesser brand. And it was, it was, there was this, the thing that I talk about mostly in these comedy sketches is like, there's this um, miscommunication where we're actually talking about the same thing, but we think we're talking about something completely different. And that's where my fascination with cultures and languages comes from. So Trinidadians are saying Pampers as diapers. Everything's all inclusive. It's a diapers. But <laughs> my American white brain is like, oh, well, there's loves and there's huggies and there's store brands. And, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I have. Yeah. Sorry, now, I have to ask you this, right? Now, in the jokes, right? Now, have you ever joked about eating Trinidadian cuisine and Chinese cuisine? Um, No, I haven't. There is one thing that I did. I never released this sketch, but I did it early, sure. early on. And um, it's about <laughs> Trinidadians have this thing where like when you buy meat from the grocery store, you have to season it and then put it away, right? Yeah. And like... <laughs> as a as a, a white American growing up, that's not what you did. Like, what if you're going to make Chinese food? You don't use the same seasoning. But like, so, so yeah, I mean, it's very little. I don't really talk about like food, food stuff. I'm not a foodie myself. I think uh, if I had to choose, this is going to hurt everybody's feelings in Trinidad. But if I had to, if I had to choose my favorite Caribbean cuisine, it'd be Jamaican. Of course, of course. Yeah, don't know. <laughs> Rup, 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 rup. My background rup, rup, rup. Jamaican and St. Lucian. Okay. No, I'm not mm -hmm. Trinidadian, but some St. Lucians, a lot of St. Lucians do have Trinidadian background somewhere mm. down the line. So oh, maybe it could be me because a lot of them would St. Lucian, St. Vincent, Grenada, they go up to Trinidad to work. But mm -hmm. that's a total different, different interview. So I want to know what else are we joking about in 2024? What else could we talk about? Do we get contra? Controversial and do politics, or do we joke about our 2SLGBTQIA plus 2 community if they can handle it? You know what I'm saying, girl? <laughs> I, my two favorite topics to talk about, and, and that's really like pervasive on my page. The best thing I like to do is make fun of men and this um, global dichotomy of 
expectations of male behavior versus female behavior. And I draw from my own life and my own experiences, but like this is pervasive. The women have to deal with this on the, you know, on the, on the daily. And so I created this thing called the DM series. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the DM series is a comedy series that's based on <laughs> my DMs. And it's based on the notion that men will be men and women, well, we just sort of have to deal with it. And so like when I first got to, you know, rising into fame, I suppose, I got a lot of attention from men and they didn't give two whatever's, you know, I, I, I can't cuss on here. Um, <laughs> they didn't care that I was doing comedy or that I was talented any other way. All they saw was like a pretty face and a thin waist. That's it. And so they just would compliment me. And I was like, well, I'm not going to date any of these guys. Like, so let me just play with them. So it became like a little cat and mouse game where I would like lure them <laughs> into my inbox and just like make them dizzy with word games and then send them along their way. And I think there's, it, it like comments on this whole idea that men have a tendency to look at a woman and if she's pretty, be like, oh, you're smart for a pretty girl. You know, there's you're like, you can't be two things if you're a woman, you know? And we still deal with that. It's ridiculous. And so I made up a fictitious uh, <laughs> resource research-based organization called the uh, Dry Mouth Association of America that uh, is dedicated to the education of and present prevention of male pattern thirst across the globe. Literally, I could talk about this thing all day. I, I love doing it because when, when, when in my life, I guess, I was cheated on and the advice that I got from my elders or even other women was, well, he's a man, what do you expect? As long as he's, you know, bringing home the bacon, then you should be fine. And it was like, what world are we living in? I'm not doing this. And I have daughters and I have a son and I, they are not going to be like this as when they grow up, they're not going to grow up with that. So it's it's my attack on, on, on the on the whole idea of like men don't have to adhere to um, standards of integrity. And I hate it. So I, I'm, I'm attacking it. And then and then so that's one thing. And the other thing that obviously that you'll see in my skits is I love the diversity of the world. And um, I focus a lot on the oneness of humanity. And I do it in a way that uh, I hope at least elevates cultures. And instead of like, attacking cultures for like, oh, you're Jamaican. So Jamaican me crazy, some stupid <laughs> Yes, like that. You know, I'd rather delve into the intricacies of uh, the people and showcase the beauty of them and, and like the unique factors. I want people to look at my skits and then leave feeling happy about themselves and more proud to share who they are. And again, I am not Trinidadian at all. I don't want to misrepresent myself and say that I am, but I'm close to the culture um, as, you know, because being married uh, to um, a Trinidadian for so long and also having Trini kids. But like, I, so I want to be respectful in that space, but I also want my other fellow Americans who look at the Caribbean and say, oh, it's Jamaica plus others and say, oh, there's Trinidad and Trinidad is known for this. And there's St. Lucia and St. Lucia is known for this. And then there's Soka music and this and this. And so all the individual islands have a space to um, showcase the beauty and the uniqueness of them. So in my skits, it's the last thing I say, and I promise you can ask another question. The last thing I'll say is um, within the skits, I like to focus on language and how we're more similar than we are different. And even our differences bring us together in a space that's kind of funny. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, do you joke about politics and a little bit about the LGBTQIA plus two community? No, because I'm not interested in it. I only okay. talk about things I'm interested in. And politics right. is boring to death and i don't um <laughs> identify as lgbtq t so i don't i don't have like i maybe i have friends but you know that's 
I don't have space to talk about it like that. So, and I don't, you know, you live your life and there's none, none of my business. So, um, yeah. Well, no, I just asked not that you will have to identify, but people are still joking about those things who are alleys or don't even have nothing to do with the community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, for sure, like anything that comes up in pop culture is is fair play for comedians on um, by and large. But, you know, it's, if it's not interesting to me, I don't really talk about it. I mm-hmm. like I think I have enough to talk about with like the whole men thing. Like I'm not finished with y'all yet. So <laughs> <laughs> but you do talk about toxic masculinity too. like, you know, men should be this as you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I do it in a subliminal way. So if you're not paying attention, you're not going to get it. And um, one of my things that I do is uh, there's I make fun of products and influencer marketing and stuff like that, which you know is hilarious if we look at it. And there's one thing that I did. There's this product on the market. It's like vaginal deodorant for your mouth. And I thought it was so ridiculous because it plays into the fact of like, you know, we're still, you know, mutilating our bodies for the uh, sexual preferences of men. Like it's like, oh, my vagina smells great now. So my boyfriend can't get his hands off of me versus like, you know, what's the health of my body? Body got to do with the pleasure of my boyfriend like get the away from me you know what I mean so, I like to make fun of that and so but if you're not paying attention to the underlying message you're not going to get it and that's mm-hmm. the beauty of sketch comedy that's exactly what sketch comedy is is like it is a- attacking something that they're not obviously talking about mm-hmm. now in 2024 is there anything else you want to touch on that we're not talking about yet that you're passionate about that you haven't explored yet in your sketches or your improv. Oh, I guess there's so much. There's so much. I think, um, well, I'm just starting out in stand up. So that's the new animal that I've taken upon myself. And um, I just have to say, if you can be funny and hilarious and make everybody pee their pants in laughter, but it's not the same as like, it doesn't automatically mean that you're a stand up comic. So that's really, you know, I learned that the very hard way. So that's what I'm working on. I'll say that the art of stand up is what I'm working on, not necessarily topics. Uh, I do want to address uh, like the racism that goes on and also like what I represent to people I think that needs to be talked about and I think we're terrified as Americans to really talk about racism I haven't quite figured that out yet because you know presenting I'm a white woman like who's gonna listen to me you know what I mean but um I have a very unusual upbringing and I want to bring that to light in the most respectful way as uh, as possible and I haven't quite figured that out but yeah Oh, another thing that I really want to talk about is like this whole like corporate culture BS that we have to adhere to. And like the I want to do a sketch on LinkedIn about the ridiculous of it. I have to be careful because there's a lot of people who've kind of done this already. So it has to be in my own flavor. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's okay, Right. So what do you think about corporate culture now in 2024 work culture in 2024? Can you even make a joke in the office? Don't get me started on this. I went through, well, first of all, my background is not in comedy. It's not in entertainment at all. It is all very professional and decorated as such. And, um, and then like my life crashed in 2020 and well, just before 2020, my life completely crashed as I knew it. And I had to rebuild myself. And that's when I turned to comedy. And then I also said, well, oh shoot, I got to take care of these kids and feed them. So I better get a job. And I found myself in a position where I could not hold back my personality anymore. I couldn't like mute it and like, you know, robotically spit out words that you say in the workplace. I couldn't do it. I had to bring my whole self to work. And that was difficult, especially if you want to make good money you know 
And um, so my argument is, yes, you can be your whole self, but you have to have a company culture that participates um, in that and also cultivates that. And that is hard to find. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It can that be hard to find in comedy, too, don't you think? Uh, what do you mean by by being yourself? Yeah, being yourself and cultivating that culture and support yeah. because, you know, let's talk. Pat Williams the other day. What do you think mm -hmm. about that? He was exposing a lot of comedians and, you know, people throwing people under the bus and saying mm -hmm. that certain jokes were stolen from other comedians and throwing out the whole comedy industry. What's your take to that Cat Williams special? I know you haven't watched, maybe watched the full thing. I mean, I, I did see some. I mean, TikTok is, <laughs> it'll show you everything. Um, <laughs> first of all, I don't have enough skin in the game to, to even open my mouth about this subject so i i'm not the best person to ask my personal take on it is like he's experienced things that i haven't and so you know it, first of all the entertainment industry is very cutthroat and i think we all have this idea of like oh my god i could never i could never go in there and it's, you know there's all these fears and stuff comedy is subjective you like what you like just because everybody thinks this comedian's funny doesn't mean that you think that's you know that comedian's funny i can tell you straight off the bat i don't think all comedians are funny but it doesn't negate the fact that they're successful and funny for other people and i think that's necessary we need diversity within the comedy game and so the cat williams thing i mean that's his business he knows them people and you know obviously they had beef and, and and whatever so i just pray to god i ain't on his bad list one day so <laughs> <laughs> megan get off the show you said other comedians aren't funny get off the show you've been canceled okay <laughs> hey i i did not tell you who i didn't think was funny but again again it's like it, artistry is art it's subjective it's like what do you like and i i hesitate to to tell people oh follow my page follow my page because listen if you don't like what i do don't follow me leave and there's a lot of people who are like well i don't find this comedian funny and blah 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 well get off the page why are you looking at somebody if you don't like them for it you know what i'm saying so like Again, you consume the art that makes you happy. And that's what we need to be as artists is it, in any kind of craft is to appeal to those who like us and to those who don't let them move on. Don't throw shade at them just because they don't like you. Was this like kindergarten? Like, what is that? And uh, what about this cancel culture? Let's cancel her. She didn't like somebody or she said this. A cancel culture is rudimentary at best. To me, um, there's a time and a space, um, I think, for it because, you know, cancel culture at the root of it is trying to educate the person that, hey, you did wrong and you need to acknowledge that. But the other toxic part of cancel culture is you made a mistake and you're forever blighted and nobody should ever, you know, th there's no redemption for you. And that is just not human. That is like, if, if everybody had that approach, then everybody on this earth would be canceled because we're going to offend one person at least in our lives. Even like a small, cute little baby is going to bother somebody. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't get behind the cancel culture, but I also understand the other piece to that, which is, I think, I think basically we just need to revamp cancel culture to say, hey, this person really needs help. Help. Let's put them in therapy. Let's make them do community groups to understand where they've went wrong and, and, and make them do the community service that they need to in order to elevate themselves to a different level. Everybody needs to participate in the building of society, every single person. And some people are blighted with sicknesses and diseases called racism and, and, and you know, all these other kinds of narcissistic um, issues and, and whatever. And But it doesn't mean they are um, not savable. I think people need to have a little more compassion with those who they disagree with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're not canceling her listeners, okay? She didn't <laughs> say nothing wrong, okay? She's here. She's our friend. You're a well, friend, right? 
I, of course I am. But you know what? If somebody wants to cancel me, that's their business and I'm not going to prevent them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did you want to throw out your social media platforms in case people want to see some of these, you know, Mandarin skits, Trinidadian skits, uh, you know, everything sure. they want to see about you? Sure. Uh, I am at the Megan Jeffrey um, across platforms. You can just as easily go to my website, meganjeffrey.com and get all the links and it'll send you right there. Um, yeah. Okay. Any final things you would love to tell Met Radio Toronto or you want to tell, you know, the Mandarin community or Trinidadians? You know, I love everyone and I love engaging with all of my fans and followers and I've created some deep friendships with some of you. And uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to read your messages and to send you back messages. I mean, I get a lot of things like people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you responded to me. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe these people don't think that I'm still, I'm, I'm not wearing period stained panties because I definitely do, you know? <laughs> like I am a human being first and foremost and I will forever be that way. And I hope that the entertainment industry doesn't, you know, blow up my ego one day to where I don't identify with this. Um, but um, I'm just as regular. I've just decided to display my my talents that's all mm -hmm. and can you close out to all our trinidadian canadians <laughs> what do you want to tell them in trinidad in the trinidadian accent um i love all this so much uh <laughs> and yeah i hope to just connect with everybody so yeah all right i thank you so much for coming on the show i really enjoyed getting to know you likewise thank you so much for reaching out all right. For Met Radio 12 AM, I am Donovan LaCroxy. I would love to thank improv actress and comedian Megan Jeffrey. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It is an honor. Thank you so much, Donovan. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.